we made it down here in Titus chapter number 3. And we are uh, kind of ended up here in verse number 8. Uh, this is a faithful saying. And these things I will that thou affirm constantly. And uh, this means to maintain as true, to confirm, to establish constantly. And maintain uh, it means to practice. Uh, and so we're not just uh, ready, uh, not just zealous, but we're um, also um, that we are careful in that next part to maintain good works. Um, it won't come by accident. And so we'll have to uh, arrange our life in a manner to be ready to serve God. It will not happen accidentally. I think some people get the idea that when they get saved, uh, that, that everything will just be uh, a bed of roses and you'll just automatically be, no, it doesn't work that way. Uh, in fact, a greater battle has probably begun uh, than the one you had before. Because the things that you would do, that you won't do, and uh, that you could not, and uh, the two lusting, uh, one the spirit and one the flesh. And so we'll have to be careful uh, to maintain good works. And if we get ourselves in a position uh, where we're not good to anybody, then we are, uh, I believe, we've come to a place where the Bible says that we receive the grace of God in vain. Do you run through those verses? I, I don't believe it's a, it, that he's saying, well, you got saved in vain. That's not what he's saying, right? I mean, what, what he's saying is, is if you have not gone on uh, to do for others what Christ has done for you and express that love that he has for you to others, then it's been in vain. In a sense, you're, you're useless. You're not doing anything with what God intended for us to do. And he didn't intend to just save us and make us holy and, and sit there, right? He wants us serving him and actively uh, portraying to the world his character, right? And uh, so we have to work hard at doing that, and, uh, and, and you won't do it easily. People will give you plenty of reasons not to do them any good. You don't have to look long at me uh, to have a good excuse not to do anything for me, right? It goes, same goes for you. Uh, but uh, that's not why we're doing it. We're doing it because we love him, and that's what he wants us to do. Be ready, zealous, and then careful to maintain, to continually perform good work. Don't let anybody rob you of that blessing, uh, and don't get that. And I, I, I tried to think more about this afternoon, why it is that that is always the first thing to go. Why don't I treat others, or why don't I treat myself that way? You ever think about that? I don't cut myself off from doing good for me when I mess up. Isn't that something? But easily, if you do something, I can quickly cut you off. Boy, that ain't good, is it? What if we, what if we started stop doing good works for ourselves when we mess up? At least be consistent, right? Wouldn't I hit a nerve or something? Or did I say something wrong? Lord help us, right? But it, it, seriously, that's what we do, isn't it? This seems to be the first thing that goes as we uh, stop in our, in our good works. And, and so I want to exhort you to do that. I, I know I, I've heard a lot of people, you know, get to that place and uh, on into their Christian life and say, well, it's just not worth it anymore. And well, that depends. What were you looking for as a reward? Right. 
Because if you're looking to get some kind of, if you're looking to get that reciprocated out of people, then no, you're right, it's not worth it. All right? But uh, if, you're, if you're looking to lay up treasures in heaven where God's going to reward you one day over there, I promise you it will be worth it all one day. Right? So just, just do it because it's right to do. Well, they don't deserve it. No, neither do you. Right? We don't, we don't do good to people because they deserve it. If that was the case, if I was going to just do good to folks and when they do good deeds for them, when they deserved it, we would never do nothing good. Right? Because, because the newsflash here, none of us deserve any good from anybody, really. Right? And so uh, uh, certainly didn't deserve anything from God. And so it'll be a great day in your Christian life, especially young people, keep this in mind, is to go ahead and expect the worst out of folks. Go ahead and expect the worst out of them. Go ahead and expect that they've got a flesh just like you and they're going to hurt you. Right? Don't hold people up higher than, than what you see them to be is what Paul said. That no man think of me higher than... So I'll go ahead and have the proper estimation of flesh. All flesh. Right? And, uh, and, and don't do things for people. Right? We, we, we do it for Christ's sake. Right? Because, uh, uh, well, so let's go on. We kind of labored there a little bit this morning. And so we need to be careful and uh, uh, do all that we can in our life to rearrange our life. And what, what most of us do a lot of times is we're, 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 we're taking on that, who wrote that book, Your Best Life Now? Anybody remember who that was? Was that him? Lord have mercy. I thought it was somebody else, to be honest with you. What do I know? But uh, anyway, uh, you know, your best life now, we kinda, we're kind of careful to maintain our best life, right? We kind of we arrange everything in life. If I, can, if, I can just get, if I can just get this accomplished or if I can just get that accomplished, then I can be happy. And it's like we work most of the day long. Uh, and by work, I don't just mean at our job. I just mean um, we, we, we constantly are trying to uh, uh, situate our lives to where we can get to a place where we're happy. That's what most people spend most of their day doing. I, I'm just as guilty as anybody. I find myself doing it naturally, right? I think it's natural to the flesh to care for itself. Isn't that what the Bible said? No man yet hated his flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. You can tell me. Well, I'm not going to make any jokes. I'll laugh and hurt myself. So, so... Uh, um, it seems like it's natural for us to arrange our life in a way uh, to where we're happy. And it seems like happiness seems to be the driving force, the motivating force behind all of our life. And, and, and really, I think the, uh, the, the happiest a Christian will be is when, is when others' happiness seems to be our driving force in life. Wouldn't you say? Uh, in a marriage, you want to have a successful marriage, uh, just live in that marriage uh, in a way uh, to where her happiness is more important to you than your own. And then come tell me how to do that. No, I'm kidding. Right? Live, in, live, live for others. That's where you'll find great peace and joy in the Holy Ghost is living your life for others. Arranging uh, your life. So that, and that's what this is about, right? The Christian life is not one of success and happiness. It's one of sacrifice. Right? I think we get a messed up idea because we watch some Hollywood movie about Christianity or something or Joe Olstein writes a book and, uh, and we get this idea that that's what we're supposed to No, the Christian life is a life of suffering, really. Suffering on the behalf of others. Jesus didn't have a place to lay his head down at night. Right? 
Like, what happened to Paul? Was he a success in the Christian life? I would think he was. And he, and he lived his life and sacrificed and whatever it cost him to edify others. Isn't that a wonderful life to have? I'd rather die having lived my life for Christ, uh, uh, for others, for Christ's sake. Uh, I'd rather die with that kind of testimony than have been able to arrange all of the little things of my life to where I didn't have any problems and I didn't have any, and, and, and I had everything going right and I had uh, all my little best life now. You're going to find out that, that ship's not going to sail long. You know why it won't sail long? That ship will sink because you are unsatisfiable. Right? Because I, I don't know how many of you have done this. If I can just get to this point and you get to that point and you're still not satisfied. Well, if I could just get to this point and you get that job and you're still not satisfied. Well, if I can just get to where I'm making this much each month and I, I, I can really make it, I can really do good then. And then you get to a place where you're making that much. If I can just have this, if I can just get rid of that out of my life and you're never satisfied. It's, it's impossible, you know. And... Uh, so that, you're not going to find any fulfillment in life, uh, any satisfaction out of life, uh, trying to arrange your best life now. Why, why don't we just wait for our best life in eternity and let's try to give others their best life that we can possibly get. Let's try to make life a little less miserable for everybody else. Wouldn't that be a good thing to do? Because life is miserable. In the flesh, it's miserable. It's suffering. It's pain. It's anguish. It's departing. It's surgeries and uh, betrayals and, and sin and uh, life is a, it's, it, it, really, I don't know how folks make it without Jesus. Amen. He's the only thing that gives this life any meaning at all. So we, we, we look in uh, verse number eight and he's, he's got us down to this place where he, he wants us to affirm these things constantly. And, uh, and, and, and you say, well, really quick, that is so simple. I know I'm supposed to be doing good. But it, you know what? It seems like we'll get wrapped up in the confusing things and ignore the things that are just as plain as the nose on the end of your face. Why is that? Well, I, I don't understand where Cain got his wife. I don't understand how this happened. I don't understand why this man, he was, you know, why he would, I don't understand all that stuff either, but I know enough about this Bible. I've got more trouble with what I do know, right? I know I'm supposed to be perfecting holiness in the fear of God, and I don't know anybody's done that yet, Right? I mean, there's, there's a whole lot, but it seems like we get caught up. A lot of times we get distracted from our, from our, uh, from our goal or where God's got us, what we're supposed to be doing. And he, they distract us with these things that are just, uh, I'm not going to say secondary issues, but it seems to like really in the grand scheme of things don't matter all that much. You'll find that the devil's able to knock you off track of where God wants you to go and the will of God for your life. And he'll do it with some of the most serious, controversial, and trivial things. Well, you'll look up and think, what am I doing here? What am I doing? Anybody ever get there? The Christian lie. I didn't say it was easy. Christ never said it was easy. He never said discipleship was easy. He never said serving him was easy. He never said salvation. He never said all those things were going to be easy to live for Christ and have a world that hates you. He never said any of that. He never hid discipleship in the small fine print at the bottom of the contract. He made it very clear that in this world you're going to have tribulation and people are going to hate you because of me and you're going to suffer because of me in this life. He made that very clear. Right? And uh, I, 
I think sometimes we get in it and then we're shocked that it's kind of turned out the way that it has. Well, don't get distracted from where God wants you to be and what he wants you to be doing. Say, I've not said anything that would confound anybody in two services. Maintain good works. That's about as deep as I can go. But it's a whole lot deeper than a lot of us can live, isn't it? So, well, Brother Clay, I wish you'd go deeper and help me to understand this great truth. Well, once we get down doing good works and being ready for that, maybe God will let us go a little deeper, don't you think? How about the simple stuff? See that you love one another. Wouldn't that be good if we could get that accomplished? Say, so, well, I don't understand. What about over here? I, 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 don't, I don't understand the, uh, the, the souls in prison, the spirits. and I, I, there's a, lot of the, a lot of stuff I don't understand either. But here's what I do understand. God told us to be careful to maintain good works. I do know that. I do know he commanded me to forgive you. I know he commanded me to love you. I got a hard enough time with that. Do you? But we, get, we, we let the devil distract us or, or knock us out over things that are very uh, 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 small or maybe trivial in some way. And, and I've heard people doubt God and doubt his very existence over things that are so. What about the plain things that we do know? Why do we forget about all those things sometimes? And that's what he's basically going to go on to say. Look how simple this is. I want you to affirm constantly that people that have believed in God, that they would be careful to maintain good works. So that's a good question to ask. Not only are you ready to do good works, are you doing them, right? Are you careful to maintain them? Say, well, it's good and profitable unto men. Look at verse number nine now. But avoid foolish questions. I've seen, more, I've seen more time given to foolish questions than doing good for other people. We got people going to hell. These little kids that are being raised in homes, uh, how, about, how about a burden to go get some young kids and bring them in here and, let, and, and get them under the preaching of the gospel? That's not very trivial, is it? That'd be a good thing to do, wouldn't it? Well, Brother Clint, I'm, I'm trying to figure out. Uh, I, I just don't know how we would do that. Look, because somebody messed it up and did it wrong doesn't make it wrong to get some young people in here and get, get somebody with a burden that's got a burden and want to do something. Uh, you want to talk about wasting, uh, doing something fulfilling in life. How about going and getting some of these little kids and bringing them in here and let them get, hear the gospel? Well, they might come in here. They might be dirty. We couldn't have that, could we? That'd be terrible, wouldn't it? Could you imagine they come here? They might not smell good. Could you imagine how terrible that would be? They might have long hair. You know, some of them kids will probably say a bad word. We can't let that happen, can we? Well, we're messed up, ain't we? You know what? I think this community would be a whole lot better off if, we, if, if God would burden our hearts to reach, I mean really burden our hearts. If we say we really care, then shouldn't we be doing something about it? Right? That's what I trouble myself. That's not an attack. I trouble my, myself. I'm troubled at that. I, I really think I care, but I do so little about it. Amen. So really, what do I care about? I really care about myself. Right? Amen. I'm ashamed of that. I'm ashamed at how much I care for myself and how little in action I actually care about a lost world. 
Just reflect on your week. Reflect on the week before. Reflect on the week before that. Most of us have spent the majority of our life attending to nothing but our own desires and our own will. We really have. And, uh, uh, and in the meantime, I sit there and think about uh, some, of these, some of these kids sitting out here and they're raised in homes. That, Lord, you hear some of these situations, it just, it absolutely kills you. And I think, I wonder what would happen if just go by and get them for an hour and let them sit in here and just preach the gospel to them. You know? And I know it's been done wrong. I've seen people take bus routes and make an absolute mess of things and make twofold more child of hell out of them, really. But I don't think it makes it wrong to do it, do you? I think we ought to pray about that. I, I, I really, I mean that. I'm not talking about hiding behind prayer. I'm talking about really praying that God would let us come across some folks. I'm not talking about just offering a free, uh, you know, a free bicycle to the first hundred kids that come and all that bunch of trash. That's so silly. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about really being able to, uh, to, to really, uh, I, I, I want to really have a burden and come across some that God might be able to uh, put us in contact with, that we'd be able to uh, get this bus going and go out here and pick up some of these young people and bring them in. Wouldn't that be wonderful to do? We're going to have to be ready for the problems that are called, but I think the good would outweigh the bad there, wouldn't you? Couldn't be wrong for them to hear the gospel. And... Uh, Avoid foolish questions. We mentioned that this morning when we're, when we're out here witnessing and talking to people about Jesus. They always get sidetracked from the issue. You ever notice that? I, you, you try to even talk to a Christian. and needs to get right with God. And you talk to him about something. And you say, well, here, here's, here, you're out of the will of God. Why are you out of the will of God? Well, you don't understand. Uh, uh, you want to explain to me why this preacher did this? I don't know why that preacher did that. And I, honestly, I could care less. I don't know him. But I know you, and you're not in the will of God. Why don't you want to face that? Because it's a lot easier to just brush it off and and talk about a whole lot of other issues that nobody will ever come to the end to. Well, he owes me an apology. He might do it, but newsflash, he's not going to do it. Right? Or this person, what about this person? They're going to do this. Listen, there's a lot of preachers that owe a lot of apologies to people. Right? And I think they ought to do it. But uh, a lot of them, uh, this situation, that situation, what about this one? Uh, this one hurt my feelings and she said something about me. Or, or this person says, look, I don't know about all those things. I'm telling you, those things, at some point, you're going to have to get to the place where you just get back in the will of God. Amen. Right? And, 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 and go on for God on, on your level, the way, the way that you can. Get to uh, uh, the place where, uh, where you can get past all that stuff and quit looking at the secondary issues. Right? We've seen men do it here. Have to go on for God. I'm I'm talking about you. What what about you today? Uh, I'm telling you, I have seen young people be raised up in God-fearing homes, raised up in good Bible preaching churches, and have used some of the craziest excuses as for why they're out living in the world. There is no excuse for you out getting drunk other than you're just sorry. Now, that's where I normally kick my leg up, but I'm not going to mess this thing up. Right? Just accept the responsibility of where you are, face where you are. Don't get distracted on these secondary things and just accept things in your own life. Accept your own responsibility for how you failed God and try to do your best to get back to Christ. Right? Because if you're looking for reasons not to serve Jesus, there's about a hundred of them in here tonight. I'm glad Brother Montgomery amen that one for everybody. Usually it's me. 
101. <laughs> Don't do that, please. Hey, I've seen some people have to get past stuff. I don't know how they've done it and stay faithful to God. Y'all seen it, right? It's hard. The Christian life is hard. People get get messed up. They're people, right? And and a lot of times when you're dealing with people, I I, want to exhort you, not just lost people, but at any time you're going to try to help folks. Just don't let let yourself, uh, even, even in yourself, if, you, if, you're, if you've been messed up about something and, and God's dealing with you, don't let the devil get your mind distracted with a whole bunch of other stuff. Just focus on the issue at hand, right? And here's the reality. I have gotten out of the will of God, right? So how can I make that right? That's what you have to focus on because you can't fix other people, right? And guess what? Next week, somebody else is going to say something. They're going to make you mad. And here's the good news. The good news is you've said plenty to make other people mad. Right? So just, just don't get lost in these issues. I, and I know what's being said here, but I, I'm just saying I've noticed that a lot in, our, in my own Christian life. It's, I have no problem making excuses for why that I mess up. Right? Now, I know exactly how to tell you how to get it right, Brother Nathan, but I've got a hard time. Well, you don't understand what I've been through, Brother Nathan. Right? Anybody else that way? So don't, don't get distracted. Genealogies he's talking about here, and uh, he's talking, you know, again, back to uh, the things that what this is really in context is dealing with. Uh, and genealogies, contentions, strivings about the law, for they're unprofitable and they're vain. And uh, uh, verse number 10, a man that is a heretic... After the first and second admonition, reject him. So uh, let me just say this quickly because we got to get moving. One uh, who maintains and teaches erroneous opinions opposite of sound doctrine. And so a, a heretic is actually, that word is derived from a word that means to make a choice. So a heretic is somebody who's made a conscious decision to reject sound doctrine. They will not endure it. They will not have it for whatever reason. Uh, let's say maybe it will uh, uh, affect their pocketbook or maybe it will affect uh, they've always stood on this tradition and they're not going to stop now because they'd have to go back and apologize. Maybe their pride won't let them. And so a heretic is somebody who is rejecting Bible truth, plain and clear Bible truth, right? Not stuff about genealogies or strivings about the law. Plain and clear Bible truth that they will hold to that opinion and teach that opinion irregardless of the evidence from the Word of God teaching contrary to that. That person's a heretic. A heretic is not somebody who's, who's lost and doesn't have the understanding and they're seeking the Lord and they're messed up in some areas. That's not a heretic. That's not, we don't reject people like that. We keep trying to help them and guide them and but this, this is a person, I've seen this happen. And the Bible says after the first and second. You give them a first and you give them a second and then you reject them. Don't keep wasting your time with people. And you'll notice this, you get out there witnessing the world. Uh, I'm not saying every single person that comes along is a heretic. But you'll talk to them once and then you'll talk to them a second time. The boys were saying when they were downtown that this fella came up to them and told them he was Jesus. I don't even know if he should get a second. But they gave him a second, and uh, brother, he'd come back for third and fourth. 
And I thought, you know, what you'll find is you'll miss all the people that you might have an opportunity wasting your time with a heretic. Amen. They have made their choice, they're subverted, and they're condemned of themselves, and you cannot rescue them out of that error. So uh, don't waste your time with them. That's what the Bible said. Just refuse them. And uh, I think it's dangerous even when it talks about reject and that word there, it's talking about refuse them. I'm not even going to continue to listen to what they have to teach. Cut them off. Don't listen to that stuff anymore. These people out here, to get out in the world, they're demon-possessed. Some of this stuff that's going on out in our country, it's not just natural sin. It's demon possession. People, people, are, people are full of demons. And uh, uh, you need to be careful when you're dealing with these religious people. Uh, um, you know, they'll come to you with all kinds of crazy things and, and strivings about the law. And, uh, you know, they'll talk about all those things. And, you know, God's so unrighteous. He, he commanded they went in there and killed people and killed little babies and all that stuff. And they'll bring up anything they can bring up to make God look bad. They don't want to talk about Jesus dying for the world so that they could go free. They don't want to talk about their sin, but they stand in judgment of God, right? And so we try to help them. But uh, when you get across some of this uh, person and, and, and you, you, you've talked to him once, you talked to him a second time, and he still thinks he's Jesus, reject him. Reject him. Amen. Ezra, when you see him coming next time, you know exactly which side of the street to get on, <laughs> right? So a man that is a heretic out of the first and second admonition, reject and then look at verse number 11. Knowing that he is such is subverted. He's overcome. He's overthrown. And sinneth being condemned of himself. And so uh, I don't really think we ought to waste time tearing them down too much because they're condemned of themselves. They don't really need us after the first and second time uh, to fool with that anymore. They're, they, they're condemned of themselves in verse number 11. Now, we're going to have this instruction to bring, and we're going to finish the chapter. Isn't that wonderful? Finish the book anyway tonight, verse number 12, and we'll kind of close this ending of the letter. Sometimes it's a, uh, we'll miss little pieces in the, uh, it seems like you kind of get to the end, and you have a tendency to read it faster and miss little things, and I didn't want to do that today, but uh, look at verse number 12. When I shall send Artemis unto thee, and this is not how you pronounce it, but this is how I'm going to pronounce it. Because the, evidently the right way that I researched is really awkward, and I'm not going to talk about it. So Tychicus is how I'm going to say it, although that's not exactly correct, okay? So Tychicus and Artemis, that's the southern way to say it. Be diligent to come unto me to Nicopolis, for I have determined there to win her. Now, let me just say something quickly. Uh, I got 10 minutes and then we'll, we'll go on tonight. So I, here, here's what he said. Let's think back over the book. So he said he's sending Titus down to Crete and he wants him to establish order, ordain elders, deal with the false doctrine, uh, exhort the uh, servants uh, or the older folks to uh, teach the younger. All of them should be living holy and, and, and all the things the grace of God teaches and then be a light and a witness to the world and affirm those things constantly, right? And his mindset. And then he says, now I'm not going to leave you there, Titus. Titus is not going to stay there. I want you to come meet with me. I need you. Now he did this often. He did it with Timothy also. If you remember uh, towards the end of his life, he needed uh, to see Timothy again. And so this man comes up and let's just look, look with me. Turn back just a couple of pages and let's look at Colossians. This man whom I've pronounced his name wrong. 
Tychicus. At least Brother Jones isn't here. He, he, can, he probably knows exactly how to say it. But if we go back in Colossians and look at this fellow, you know, these names come up and sometimes we kind of glance over them. And uh, this, this man here has been such a blessing to Paul. Everybody had their place. You know, I, I started noticing, uh, we talked about that some when he said, I'm going to go set order in the church. And everybody has their place. You can't, you can't the, the ministry will not uh, last, uh, you, well, like, just like you can't keep a fire going on kindling wood. Right? You need backlog. He's, uh, Brother Samuel said, you got the older folks in the church are just as vital as the younger people to the church, right? Just as much as the ordained elders in every city, how important that they are, and that they teach sound doctrine, and you run off the heretics, and, you, and all the order that he wants to establish in the church. And, and, he, and it's the same thing uh, if you look at in the order that he's establishing here. Everybody has a place to serve in the church, right? Everybody's got a place. And, and, and I find that the same thing with Paul. As Paul was traveling along and he was establishing these churches, every person that was alongside of him and laboring with him had a role to play in the service of God. This man, this man never was the, uh, he didn't get his name on the billboard. Right? They didn't drive by, didn't drive by the, uh, 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 the independent fundamental King James Bible believing premillennial, uh, uh, <laughs> all the other things, non-Ruckmanite, you know, blah, 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 independent Baptist church of Crete and see his name on the sign. Welcome brother Tachicus. Going to be preaching revival, the great man of God. That wasn't on the sign. And uh, 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 he's going to be in revival with us as soon as we can get run Titus off. He's made all of us mad. And uh, no, he didn't get, as far as we know, he didn't get his name on the sign. Uh, that's not even funny, but I'm laughing at it and it's hurting. <clears throat> he didn't get his name on the sign as far as we know. He didn't get left in certain positions in uh, uh, the pastor uh, somewhere and, and, and get uh, uh, the recognition of being able to pastor. Or uh, as far as we know, he was a servant of Paul. Paul refers to him as such. And uh, uh, you, can, you, you try to think about that. And if you're a preacher, you, you understand what I'm saying. Uh, uh, that's, that would be a hard role to fulfill as a preacher. Because as a preacher, you've got in your mind, you're gonna, the whole world's going to get saved when you get called to preach. You're going to save the world. And, and you've got all these dreams and aspirations. I, I, and I started thinking about men like this. I think it takes a whole lot more of, a, uh, of, of God in a man to be able to be a Tychicus. It takes just as much of the Holy Ghost to be that man as it would to be Paul. Paul got all the recognition, did he not? But Paul went on, Paul established these churches and they came for him, they tried to kill him and all the things we have in our New Testament uh, uh, to the glory of God. Now Paul, though, uh, got, got, got most of the credit for everything. But we forget Paul went on and then churches had to keep surviving, right? And I don't know how many, I don't know that uh, here in Titus that we have one person's name that was ordained in a single city to keep the churches going there in Crete. And uh, I find the same thing. Look at this man here. He says three things about this man. Uh, and we'll go, well, we'll, we may not need to do that because we got, 
Okay, go to Colossians chapter 4. You with me? Colossians chapter 4. Verse number 6 says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Now look at verse number 7. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you. And look at what he says about this man. Now, this man is faithful. I, I did just a quick study and didn't get to spend too much time on it. But the first place that we find him, I wrote it down, it's Acts 20. Acts 20 and verse number 4. At the end of Paul's third missionary journey, you find the first mention of this man's name. And he's there with Paul. We know uh, as I go on and, and, and we study, uh, we, we, it's generally believed that he was with Paul in Rome in his first imprisonment. Um, and, we, and, and it's generally believed that he was with Paul the second time he was imprisoned in Rome. This man has stayed faithfully beside Paul serving God's church. That's what, that's, what, that's what this man, look at what Paul's going to say about it. Remember that verse, moreover, it's required of a steward that he be found faithful. And, and some people, I think, uh, uh, belittle themselves too much. Um, and, and, and there's preaching that's done to make people feel like that they're not doing anything for God if they're just being faithful. You know how hard it is to remain faithful? That's no, that's no little task. You know how hard it is uh, to be faithful when everybody's shouting? Not, not too hard. You know how hard it is when everybody can't stand each other? Pretty tough then, isn't it? It's hard to remain faithful because those things happen all throughout the life cycle of a church and the life cycle of a Christian. And, uh, uh, and so uh, this man here has seen Paul uh, when, he was, when, he, when he went, when he left uh, there in Ephesus, when we first see him, uh, you see uh, he went along to, with Paul to take that offering to Jerusalem. And so Paul had done warned them that when they go to Jerusalem, there was much evil that was waiting for them. He knew it was not going to be an easy journey to go along with Paul. Everybody's tried to kill Paul. And so by hitching your wagon up to Paul, you were asking for trouble, right? And he willingly done it anyway and went up to Jerusalem with Paul and stayed faithfully beside the man of God, serving God's church wherever he was needed. I almost feel sorry for the guy when, when Paul was dying. Think about this. Gosh, I'm rambling on. This is where my mind gets kind of... Uh, think about this with me. Paul's dying. He's come to the end of his life. The great Paul. <laughs> I'm thinking of a situation right now. Think, think of this. You look up to Paul and you can imagine. You know many of us love Brother Sammy Allen. And time's out by ten of what you would look up to the Apostle Paul if you were alive during that time and you were a young preacher. And you look up to Paul, I mean, he's just a second to Jesus. I mean, he's right there. And you're looking up to him, and, and he's about to die. And in, 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 in his last moments, he turns to you, who has done nothing but faithfully serve him and love him and help him when a lot of other people abandon him. And he turns to you and say, I need to see Timothy. I'm going to send you away so that Timothy can come be with me. Wouldn't that be hurtful? I wonder, could you stay faithful then? I'd be thinking, man, I served you, you know what? No, you get up and tell him. I'm done with this mess. <laughs> served you faithfully. Well, Timothy ain't here, but I'm beside you. 
And you know what the man did? Just humbly went to, to Ephesus so that Timothy, Timothy could get leave to come be with Paul. You say, well, that's not a big deal. When you start thinking emotionally of all that man went through, do you think on his journey to go relieve Timothy so that Timothy could come be with Paul, do you think he took some slight to that? Do you think the enemy wasn't telling him all them years you faithfully served Paul and he don't even care about you? I guarantee that's what he was thinking. And all he wanted to do was talk to somebody else and send you away so that he could talk to somebody he likes more than you. It'd be really hard to make it to Ephesus, I think. When you study that out and you study the journey that he took to get to where he was on foot crossing two countries and then crossing the, Adri the, uh, is it the, Adri the Adriatic Sea, when you, when you see the journey that that man took just to accomplish that for Paul, and as far as we know, there wasn't any complaint. He just went and did what, he was, what was asked of him to do. Thank God for people like that. You can't, listen, people like that are worth more than their weight in gold. For some of us, that's worth a lot. Right? Say, so, well, that ain't worth much. I have the fair to say that when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, I think we're going to hear this name again of just a faithful, humble servant that, you know, yeah, he got his name in there, and yes, we know his name, but as far as getting any real big positions and titles and recognition, he didn't get a whole lot of that. He almost seemed to be used, right? He does it to him again right here in Titus. He tells him, I want you to come, but I'm going to send him over there. And it's almost like, man, what's so great about Titus? Why don't you need me? Aren't I good enough? You, you think he was thinking that? Boy, you really got to die to yourself to serve Jesus. Because Jesus might, might just say something like that to you one day. You're not even going to get recognized, but I'm going to let so-and-so do this, and I'm going to send you down here. I'm telling you, there ain't no telling what God will do with you. If you really submit it to him, it may not be what you want him to do. But it's worth something to be faithful. You know what he said? Let's look at what he said about him and then we'll, we'll wrap it up because that's really the only one that I looked in on here. Colossians 4, 7. All my state shall Tychicus declare to you. Look at what he said about him. He's a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Isn't that something? Could you imagine Paul saying those words about you? You're a beloved brother, a faithful minister. He wasn't fighting for the greatest position. He, he, he wasn't going back. As far as we know now, I'm speculating here, okay? But, but uh, he could have he, he could obviously had some conversations in here. But here's where I fail to believe Paul would have continued to use them the way that he did if he was continuing to try to fight for a recognized position, Right? He wasn't continuing to fight for that. As far as we know, uh, he was just uh, he was a, a willing servant ready to be sent to do whatever needed to be done to be a help to the church. Boy, thank God for men like that. Don't you? That is difficult to do. I, I think that uh, uh, is some of the uh, greatest qualities a person can possibly possess is just be humble enough to let God use your life in whatever way he sees fit, whether you ever get recognized for it or not. 
I, I, I think, well, so a beloved brother, faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. That's this man that's being mentioned. So I'm going to send, go back to, and we'll wrap up. Go back to Titus. Artemis unto thee, and Titus gives me diligent to come unto me and accomplish, for I have determined there to win her. And bring Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their journey diligently, that nothing be warning unto them. And I think that's a good missions verse, isn't it? Verse number 13, he said he's going to send these two, but then I want you to bring Zenus the lawyer and Apollos along their journey diligently, Titus. He's talking to Titus here. And I don't want anything to be warning unto them. I don't... <coughs> I basically don't want them to have to be out anything to be able to come on this journey. I think that's how we do missionaries, isn't it? And they come in here and are traveling from one place to another. They don't ever leave this church without something. That's the idea we get behind this. Trying to help others along their journey that nothing would be wanting unto them. And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. Who's he talking about there? I think he's talking about those that he just mentioned and those in the ministry. Not just good to preach it, but they ought to be doing it too. All that are with me salute thee. Greet them that love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. Isn't that an encouraging way to end the letter? All that are with me salute thee. Man, that's encouraging. Imagine the, what Titus was going through down there. He couldn't text it to him or put a Facebook post on there. But at the end of this little letter, he said, All that are with me salute thee. That's a, that's a word that's, a, that's not a light word to use to salute somebody, is it? That's respect and honor if you're going to salute somebody. And, uh, so thank the Lord we got through the book of Titus. Being careful to maintain good works. Being uh, careful to maintain order and straighten out false doctrines and all those various things that are being dealt with there. Then, Lord willing, Sunday we'll get back to, um, we won't have an uh, altar call tonight. Sunday, Lord willing, we'll get back to uh, the book of Romans. So you pray for me and we'll get back into Romans um, and that I'd heal a little quicker than I am. All right, stand to your feet. We'll just be dismissed tonight. Appreciate you being here.